Welcome to the Who's on the Move podcast. I am your host, Alan Cooper. The Who's on the Move podcast highlights people making an impact in our communities, entrepreneurs, executive directors of nonprofits, business leaders, and artists. The focus of this podcast is entrepreneurship, a great story of how two entrepreneur founders started a business and grew it to over 10 employees within a decade. It's also a story of those two founders finding the courage and confidence to step away from the day-to-day operations of their company to move into strategy roles. We will be speaking with one of the founders of Flock and Rally Integrated Communications and Marketing, Tracy Broom, as well as Merritt McNeely, who was named Chief Executive Officer of Flock and Rally in September 2022. The Who's on the Move podcast is made possible with the support of First Community Bank. For more than 25 years, First Community Bank has served customers in the Midlands, Upstate, Aiken, and Rock Hill regions of South Carolina, as well as in Augusta, Georgia. First Community Bank, member FDIC. This series is made possible also with the support of NP Strategy, a strategic communications firm. Learn more at npstrategy.com. And Nephron Pharmaceuticals, a South Carolina-based company. Nephron develops and produces safe, affordable, generic inhalation solutions and suspension products. We also appreciate the support of the City of Columbia's Office of Business Opportunities and the Riley Institute at Furman University. The Richard W. Riley Institute advances social and economic progress in South Carolina and beyond by building leadership for a diverse society. Learn more at furman.edu forward slash Riley. This was our conversation with Tracy Broom and Merritt McNeely from Flock and Rally. Um, Alan, it's really nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, you know, Fluck and Rally, which is an integrated communications and marketing company, co-founded by me and my business partner, Debbie Shadle, back in 2010 here in Columbia, South Carolina. We have grown a lot since the origins where, where we were just two freelancers collaborating on projects together. And, you know, at this point, we're you know, 15 full-time employees, we have 40 clients at a given time, and we're serving clients statewide and beyond, even national clients, and we're full service now, offering everything from digital advertising to really carefully crafted social media campaigns and PR campaigns, branding, I could go on, I won't. But the list is long, it's, it's pretty wild. But what was the original spark? I first met you and my memory of it was a focusing on event and event planning for companies. Yeah, you know, in, after the recession, um, we had the opportunity to provide low-cost marketing and event planning services here in the Columbia, South Carolina market. And we had a lot of great partnerships with nonprofits in particular. Um, you know, building community and building connections in the community is so important to Debbie and to me. Uh, as co-founders and bringing people together at events obviously is such a great way to accomplish that you know as we've grown however it became clear that the business model for running an event planning company is actually pretty different especially in terms of staffing than running an integrated communications marketing company so we got to this kind of critical point where we had to make a choice and our road has taken us 
to the integrated communication mar integrated communications marketing model completely. So we don't really do event planning anymore per se. Um, but it was really fun to build a business on that relationship building that happens when you're putting together events. And I think that a lot of our, you know, a lot of our great relationships that we maintain to this day are with folks with whom we threw events a decade ago. You know, I, I can think of one client in particular who is now the ops director at possibly one of the largest production brewery facilities in the state. And he's brought us on to do the marketing for, for that operation. Um, it's very rewarding, it's cool. Can we just drill down a little bit on you, when you started and when you pivoted? When, it, when did it become clear to you that the business model was not gonna be continuing on with event planning and you were gonna go in a different direction? What drove that decision? Um, a lot of factors drove it, but one very distinct driver was our internship program. We've put more than 100 interns through our internship program over the years, typically from University of South Carolina or Benedict College or other um, universities in South Carolina. And in order to really do event planning well, we were up to about 10 interns at a time. That was to help us with our event planning work as well as the marketing and communications work for which we were becoming more and more known and you know it gets to a point where you're managing not only your paid employees but your staff of interns and the it you get to a point of diminishing returns right that's just that's a lot of people and then you got to look at your profit margins and how do you want to grow your business so i think that was realizing how many people it took to yeah. be a good event planning firm and a good comms and marketing firm, we really had to make a choice. So that was about, I'd say about halfway through our journey of these 12 years, we kind of started to flip the script a bit. Let me ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. What type of an entrepreneur are you? How would you define yourself as an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I'd say pretty firmly a small business entrepreneurship is what Debbie and I have been building over the years. and. Um, it's been very organic, for sure. And one thing that we're excited about bringing Merritt McNeely up through the ranks to CEO over the last four years since she joined the firm in a leadership position and has rocked it. It's been amazing. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about, all right, what are the, what's the growth plan for the next few years as we go and how can we get more, let, how can we be less organic about it and even more strategic than before. Okay, how did you finance the company off the get-go? I am proud to say that we have not financed the company. We have built it from scratch. I think Debbie and I each put 500 bucks in the bank account <laughs> back in uh, 2010, 2011. And really, we uh, very intentionally didn't want to take on debt to build the firm. So, you know, we've been around for 12 years and I, th I think, you know, where we're at on our numbers is pretty amazing, but we probably could have grown much faster. I mean, like, you know, you see digital marketing agencies in particular just exploding in growth mm. because they are doing things like taking on investors and taking on debt to grow their staffs quickly, to do high volume work. And we have been much more interested in doing 
very custom work for clients. So it didn't make sense for us to package and productize and go high volume, really. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt uh, much more comfortable for us to grow a little bit more slowly and methodically. And that's been good for our clients, too. Okay, so let's get, let's just be in a little bit more detail on scaling the company. So, you know, you start with the two of you. Um, how did you scale the business? Great question. Bit by bit. Sometimes chicken, sometimes egg. Really, it's do you have the staff capacity to handle the work, or do you have enough work for your staff, right? Right. Yeah. And that's something that merit has been working with us very closely on to really, really nail that down as we grow. But, you know, when we were first scaling the business, it's, do we take a chance? Um, I mean, even four years ago, do we take a chance at hire Merit as our VP of marketing, knowing that we don't specifically have (laughs) a project that we desperately need her for in terms of client work. But then, God, I mean, within weeks, you were rocking and rolling and she had art within months she had brought us major major clients who are still our clients to this day um, Mara, tell, tell me a little bit about you personally and your journey to flock and rally um so i am originally from greenville but i moved here for college in 2000 so i've been here for 22 years now um i graduated from college and i started working for the five points association and within three months was promoted to executive director so I learned a lot on that job. I served as the executive director for eight years, um, doing everything that you could think of for the Five Points neighborhood, including um, the last few years, I um, had met Debbie and Tracy, and uh, Flock and Rally had formed, and I actually had the opportunity to hire them to do some very minor um, supplemental fun things for my events. Um, And so we kind of started working together more at the end of my Five Points career. Um, I left the Five Points Association after eight years and went to um, the state government system. I served as the director of marketing and membership for the South Carolina State Museum um, for five years. And during that wonderful five-year stint with state government, I um, had the opportunity to be one of the co- founders of the Total Eclipse Weekend Columbia SC Celebration for the oh, city of yeah. Columbia. So um, a little bit of backstory there is that the, you know, um, when I first started at the State Museum, it was 2013, and in 2015, we were opening the big Windows to New Worlds project, which was the Planetarium Observatory. Was it 2014 or 2015? 2015. 2014. 2014. Our I have to say that right. communications is off camera. <laughs> and she was the, we she can was edit the, this. Right? She was the PR manager at yeah. the museum. So it was, two, it was 2014. Yeah. 2014. So we, I was hired as the new marketing director to really help um, the state of South Carolina learn about this really big expansion and renovation project for the museum, which included the Planetarium Observatory 40 Theater. Planetarium Observatory are important because they were the new astronomy elements of the museum. Um, we then, the museum hired some astronomy staff to come on and help be the educators and the observatory managers and the planetarium managers. And through them, we learned early on about the eclipse. Um, in the astronomy world, it's well known that people come from all over to see total eclipses. And so the staff at the State Museum knew about the eclipse that was coming to Columbia in 2017, years before anyone else, anyone else did. Um, in the true spirit of Flock and Rally, really, um, we knew this secret early on and decided 
internally that we needed to share this with the city because we believe in our community, we believe in connections, and we wanted to spread this economic opportunity to everybody and not just keep it to ourselves at the museum, hence the committee. We, we created a committee where we put lots of stakeholders on it. Um, I went to the city to ask for funding. They said, yes, we'll give you some money. And I said, great, I'm going to hire Flock and Rally, and they're going to do all the marketing communications. And so that is where I, with the museum and Flock and Rally, doing the marketing promotions, really came together um, on that project to have phenomenal results. But also, there was a moment where I then decided it was time for me to move on from the museum. I actually reached out to Tracy and Debbie, and they said, well, come work for us. And so <laughs> it was magical. So that brings me here. So what I think is interesting about my path, and especially with the CEO role that I have now, I started my career in leadership because I was the executive director of the Five Point Association. Right, yeah. But in that job, I had to do everything. So I was a, a person cleaning the sidewalks and dealing with traffic and landscaping all the way up to planning events and advocacy, you know, working with the city on various things. So I did everything from a hands-on perspective in that job. What, you know, what I got the opportunity to do when I went to the State Museum was I got to focus more on just marketing and communications because that was my role. So I was a generalist, but a leader. And then I went to be a marketing and communications leader I joined Flock and Rally, and of course, we're a marketing and communications agency, and so I feel like I've been able to bring everything in my career so far to this moment where now I get to lead the agency, and it's an agency that's marketing communications, which is in my wheelhouse. So it feels almost kind of full circle for me. Yeah, it seems like a great fit. Can you guys talk about the conversation leading towards where an entrepreneur kind of decides that it might be time to step aside and not be involved operationally every day in the day-to-day and having someone else take over that that role. Yeah, uh, I can speak to that and then I'll toss to Merit. It is incredibly difficult for entrepreneurs to give up control of their businesses. And it is rare for small business entrepreneurs to believe that they can. For us, what made it possible is having merit on our team already. She is a natural leader. Having merit on our team made it possible to think that we could step back and allow her to do what she wants to do, which is run the show. <laughs> and it's it's actually a blessing uh, beyond my wildest dreams that we could have someone who we trust, who's already on our team, who's brilliant and amazing at what she does, who wants to do that, you know? Yeah. And so as an entrepreneur who's been so deep in the weeds for so many years, I can speak, you know, um, personally, it was very challenging for me to wrap my head around it. And I really had to do some deep inner work as a professional and as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last few years to really understand what I would have to do to enable Merit to move forward as our leader. So what is that? What do you see your role? You have to be okay with not controlling everything. (laughs) You have to be okay with not doing everything. And when you're used to controlling everything and doing everything for so long, because, you know, Debbie and I had to, for the record, Debbie Shadle is a much more natural delegator it's one of her strengths. Okay. She is very good at it. Um, so kudos to her on that front. I had to 
it, it, you know, I think entrepreneurs who are able to hand off authority and step back from the day-to-day do kind of divide into those. Are you a natural delegator or do you tend toward needing to have your fingers in every pie, you know? So, you know, for entrepreneurs who are, have the luxury of making that choice, um, if, if my advice is of interest to anyone, it is look deep within mm-hmm. and work on yourself and get right with the fact that you're not essential. Kick it over to you, Merritt. What, what was that, and from your perspective, what was that conversation to, to try and get to that point where you become CEO of the company? Well, I think that the last two years are really important in thinking about this scenario and situation we're in, this wonderful situation, um, because we had explosive growth that changed the way that we do things in a good way, in a very positive way. To Tracy's point, you have two owners who have had to do everything for 12 years. And when you have to do everything, it's not always in your skill set. And we grew so fast over the last two years that we realized that we need to manage the growth of this company in a very smart way. And so allowing Tracy and Debbie to, what we've been saying is we're trying to get them to work on the business instead of working in the business. So instead of having to be consumed by the day-to-day, which all the day-to-day has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, right? As a company grows, these small things like administration or IT or HR may be very small, but they become very big the bigger you get, right? We need to now have some different processes in, in place. And we need that, you know, Tracy and Debbie started this company as brilliant creatives in the community making connections. That's what we need them to continue to do. And in order to do that, we need to insert some business processes, including a CEO, like who, you know, who can run the company day to day for them, where they don't have to be consumed by all of those day to day details anymore. They can still be that front line of business development. They can still have oversight over creative strategy. They can still have big relationships that they manage and and help us with. the things that make Tracy and Debbie so excellent at what they do, we want to create a space for them to continue to do it. Can I ask, how do you execute on, as the staff got bigger, as you have a talent on board like Merritt, how do you execute on getting everybody in the right right role and who, who what positions do you need to hire for and how, how, do, you, how do you do that? Is, that? is that your strength, Merritt? Or is that what you bring um, to the table? I mean, I think it's one of my strengths, yes, um, but I am someone who, one of our core values here at Flock and Rally is hungry for life, learning, and fun, um, and key to that is hungry for learning, and so we did it organically for a few years. I've been with the company now, company now over four and a half years, and so the growth we've experienced and identifying who's next to hire has been based on need and situation and client work. Um, We got real smart, I think, at the beginning of this last year and decided to bring in some outside help to create some operational processes and help us figure out um, exactly what we were missing and how we structure our org chart. And that was through EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, It's helped us tremendously um, look at things we didn't know to look at before and just make sure that we are covering all of the right seats in our business and making mm-hmm. sure that we're aware of, of you know what we're missing and what's next. So I'd say it's a combination of both organically growing and knowing what we needed next based on what was in front of us, but also now some outside um, help to really 
plan for the future. Let's talk about it. What's the what, what do you kind of see as the future? What's going on in the market? You know, the marketing world right now. What's driving this explosive growth? What do you what do you see going forward? Twenty two, twenty three, and beyond. What's next? What for me when I think about the future, I want to first remember the past, yeah. and that is what I think is our greatest opportunity. And and one thing I'm focused on for the rest of this year and into next two is really focusing on what has made Falcon Rally successful for this long. What is our unique offerings? What are, that's bad grammar, what our, our unique offerings? What <laughs> makes us special and what has made us successful? And when we figure that out exactly and pinpoint it, I believe we can then plan for the future. The, the short term next year is probably about processes and making sure that we've got the right processes in place to manage this growth. We continue to grow now, we're going to continue to grow. Um, but we want to make sure that we do it in a smart way and that we've got the processes to support that. I think focusing on culture and preserving the culture that Tracy and Debbie have built all of these years is really important. And so that's also, again, looking in the past and making sure we know why people have enjoyed working here, why our clients love us and stay with us, what is that special sauce we bring to the table, and make sure we bring that forward and create a plan so that no matter what growth looks like, we don't lose those things that make us Flock and Rally. Nice. Tracy, how would you describe the culture? Merritt mentioned it a little bit, a few of the things that might be like missions or mottos of the company, but what's the, what's the culture of the company? Um, Merritt is the perfect flag bearer for carrying forward our culture. It's uh, very warm, it's very inclusive. Um, we never wanted to work at a company that felt like drudgery when you're at the office, yeah. you know? We wanted to put in some um, pressure escape valves in our culture that account for the fact that communications and marketing work is very intense, it's very time consuming, it can be very draining and exhausting, and. Uh, burnout is a very real factor in our industry. So we offer a tremendous amount of paid time off. We have some other very unique benefits. Um, the team has really done an incredible job with crafting celebrations and reasons to come together regularly because it is so easy to, especially these days, uh, we, you know, we have a hybrid work environment. Um, everyone comes into the office. But if you need to work at home for a morning, you know, go for it, right? Mm -hmm. We understand that sometimes you had to, some folks have to be at the TV station at five in the morning and we all have lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Anywho, um, accounting for the fact, it's very, it's been very important to us since the beginning to account for the fact that our staff and, and we ourselves are human beings with lives. And we do not expect our staff to dispose of their personal lives in favor of advancing in their profession. And that is something that is required of communications and marketing professionals at certain levels and in certain spheres of our industry. And we're basically just not having it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think we're proof that it doesn't have to be that way. We're very successful and yet we've got a pretty cool culture where you can have a life. 
Can we talk about the, the new building? Um, that probably was all at a time where co you're probably building this beautiful space for people to, to get together and create. Because you're building space, physical space can be part of that culture. And then all of a sudden everybody's working from home. But tell me a little bit about kind of getting your own place, your own office and uh, the renovations here. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, our office was at 701 Whaley for a long time in a work loft, and that was amazing, but very small. Mm -hmm. It was fine when there were, you know, four of us. Uh, by the time we had reached the early part of 2018, when we bought this building, which used to be the American Lung Association building, it's across from the governor's mansion in downtown Columbia, uh, it was clear that we needed more space, and then if we were going to continue on our growth trajectory, we were definitely going to need space in which to expand a bit. So um, the building's, you know, been great for that. It was certainly weird <laughs> to be meeting with our contractor and architect through uh, the process of uh, isolating and yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. quarantining and all that good stuff. Uh, I, I think for us, weirdly, we continued to grow despite the pandemic. We it was certainly, you know, I'll just share that um, in March 2020, we did have some clients who had to say goodbye either temporarily or for good. Um, some of them have come back, but we had others who really needed us to roll out campaigns right. in response yeah. to COVID, such as the Comet Transit System and Able South Carolina, uh, the South Carolina State Fair. So we were doing fine in terms of business, miraculously, and it became clear that while we weren't all gonna be in the building right away, we were actually gonna have to change how we had envisioned using the space because we had envisioned it for a certain size staff. Mm -hmm. and as we're in the midst of the renovation process, it became clear, oh, wow, we actually need to plan for more people um, sooner than we thought. So um, our, our staff has been wonderful in helping figure out the best way to use the space that we have. And we've got a beautiful renovation in the front half of the building that we're very, very happy yeah, it's beautiful. about. We've, uh, we've yeah. already outgrown the building. <laughs> Just kidding. We have some people doubled up. I think we're close. six. Four, four offices where people are doubled up mm -hmm. already. Yeah, we're, which is great. It's still very comfortable. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> let me let me finish off with this. You've you've clearly grown and scaled to a certain point. You've kind of done that within your culture, um, but at some point you're you're offering a great service in marketing and communications to company. There's a there's a real need for companies to market and communicate, and things have completely changed. Um, where are we at with marketing? What is, is it what you offer is in demand? And what do companies need to know to market themselves in 2022? I'll start and then I'll toss to Merit because she's amazing at this. But something I've noticed is a lot of our clients are established organizations that have been doing their thing for years and they've come to a realization that it's time to stop, shore up, assess what their online real estate looks like, all mm -hmm. of their different marketing and communications and branding properties that represent them in the world. Let's stop, let's take an audit of that, and let's come up with a marketing plan that incorporates 
best practices across each of your you know, marketing service areas. And that's where we come in because that's what we excel at. We help established organizations level up mm-hmm. and really take advantage of you know, what are the new best practices in social media marketing if you're trying to reach teens and young adults? Yeah. What are the best practices if you're in the economic development space and trying to recruit businesses to, from around the world? Um, what tools are at your disposal and what's really not useful anymore? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's where we've been of great value to a lot of our clients. Um, to tack on to that, I would say the world of marketing communications is ever changing. To Tracy's point, our job is to stay on trend and to understand what new opportunities our clients can take advantage of. Um, What I've seen in the market as a big shift, and this is more the last five years, um, is real audience forward thinking. And so one thing that Flock and Rally is very proud of is how deep we go with clients on understanding their audiences. Mm -hmm. To Tracy's point, what we recommend may be very different client to client, but it's because we take the time to truly understand the audience member. And in today's world, with the amount of communication opportunities we have, reaching people, you know, could be completely different based on who you are, how you consume media, what tools you have. And we, our job is to help our clients understand where their audiences are and then speak to them directly. So, you know, we understand videos king, so of course we pay attention to video, right? We've got clients on TikTok, so we do make sure that we're keeping up, and if it suits the audience member they're looking for, that's what we recommend. But understanding who they are, what their goals are as a, our clients, and then understanding their audiences, that's where we start. And then we recommend an array of services that, that meet their goals by talking directly to their audiences. That was our conversation with Tracy Broom and Merritt McNeely from Flock and Rally. This podcast is made possible with the support of First Community Bank, member FDIC, NP Strategy, Nephron Pharmaceuticals, the City of Columbia's Office of Business Opportunities, and the Riley Institute at Furman University.